Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast with me, James Roberts, transformational coach, two-time Paralympian, and TEDx speaker. I have another awesome episode for you today, so let's get straight into it. And on today's show, I've got Natalie Allport. Natalie is a former national team snowboarder, speaker, multi-sport athlete, and lifelong entrepreneur. She hosts the All In with Natalie Allport podcast and is a passionate advocate for athlete mental health. She also runs a digital marketing agency, 93 Agency, with over a decade of experience in social media, sports marketing, and personal branding. So welcome on to the show, Natalie. Hey, thanks for having me. So obviously we'll go right back to the beginning of you as a snowboarder. What was it for you that drove you towards that sport in particular? Yeah, uh, great question, because I was like, I, I wasn't into those types of sports at first, actually. I've been like a lifelong athlete. Um, I did grow up skiing a little bit when I was very, very young. Um, we didn't go super often, but we did live near the mountains. Then we moved away from the mountains and hockey became my main sport. So that was like everything for me, especially as a Canadian kid. Um, and so that was what I thought my path would be. I played hockey and then at school, I played basketball, soccer, all those team sports. Um, I got into skateboarding. I really enjoyed it. And then, uh, one day my family, we, we rented some skis. We went to the mountain and, uh, I saw that all like the cool guys in my school were snowboarding. And so I was like, you know what? I want to be cool. I'm going to, I'm going to try to do this. And uh, I always was trying to keep up with the guys in my class. So whatever they were doing, I was like trying to butt in. Like I even played boys baseball as the only girl on the team. So I, I just did all of that stuff. So I traded in my ski rentals for a snowboard and just didn't look back. And um, shockingly, like uh, as a kid, I was kind of a natural athlete in most sports. Snowboarding, not, not at all. Um, it did not come easy. It took a lot of work. I was not good at first. Uh, I think it bruised my ego a little bit. And uh, that's maybe why I, I just wanted to take on that challenge and try to get good at it because I wasn't good originally. And what particular discipline of snowboarding did you do? Because obviously it's branched out massively into, and this is going to test my knowledge of the winter sport now, big air. Obviously you've got the, um, oh, what's the extreme one where they jump out of a helicopter. You've got that as well. And then also you've got the, the tricks one. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's so many different, uh, different disciplines. And so, uh, there's slope style, which is like all the jumps on the rails. There's big air, which is, yeah, just hitting a big jump. There's even like rail jams. People just compete and they just hit like the rails and do tricks on the rails. That's not in, not in the Olympics. Slope style, uh, is in the Olympics. Big air is in the Olympics. Half pipe where you kind of have that, you know, half pipe, if you can picture it. Sadly in Canada, it's so expensive to build a half pipe that um, we don't have many. So um, that was not my thing because it's very hard to access one. Um, and then there is racing as well. That's another whole type of discipline, snowboard cross. Um, those are also in the Olympics. And then like the helicopter and all that stuff as like backcountry and you film, that's not in the Olympics. And uh, yeah, so when I started off, uh, I, I did slope style. I also did big air and the rail jams and um, big gear actually just got added to the Olympics, uh, just for the last Olympics. It wasn't even in the Olympics in 2014, 2014 was when they first put slope style in half pipes been in for a long time and racing has been in for a long time, but never did any of the racing. I was all about the tricks. And what out, out of slope style and big air, which one do you prefer? Uh, I preferred slope style because I like the, the flow of the run, right? Like you land something and immediately it's onto the next feature. You have to put something together creatively. I also like for big air, it's all about like just that biggest trick. The things people are doing now is so crazy. Like so, one of my friends, she won uh, gold, not at this past X Games, but in, uh, I think she won... She got a bronze at the, the past X Games, but she got a gold in big air at X Games a, a few years ago. And uh, yeah, that's just the thing she's doing now compared to like the things that we were doing when I was still competing and with her. It's just on a whole other level. And so, yeah, I, I like the flow of putting a whole run together. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you go into a run having a preconceived idea of what you're going to do? Or is it very much influenced on on the fly of seeing where you're obviously in competition you've got to outdo your competition but which which one would you more uh steer towards because ultimately you, you've got your conservative view on just obviously getting through the run or do yeah. you go all out 
So usually you have your run planned out. Um, you'd work with your coaches. You have like, usually you have a few days or a week of training on that specific course. So you'll kind of look at it and each day, like build a run together based on the tricks that you have, right? Like you can show up at competition. This girl has way better tricks and you just know that's going to happen, but who knows she could fall and you could succeed. So you really just put a run together based on what you can do less based on like what the competitors around you are doing based on the course, how things are feeling, how things are landing for you throughout the week. Perhaps you have your biggest tricks, but it's just not, you know, you don't want to risk falling. Um, at most competitions, you have two or three uh, runs. So you might want to try to put down your safety run. If you land it, then you might go for like, okay, this is my, you know, more risky run. Um, and if you don't land it, you might stick to your safety run. Some of those things do adjust. Like if your competitors are falling, you're like, okay, I'm not going to go for my risky run because I know that just landing my safety run could get me in a good position to qualify for finals, for example. And then obviously you throw caution to the win once it comes to obviously anybody can win when it comes into the finals. Yeah, yeah, somewhat. I mean, it depends, right? Like if you're trying to qualify and you know you have to get like, okay, a top five, there might be some mind games in there where you're like, okay, I need to just get fifth. Let me land this then from there I'll take risk or there's, there are definitely some athletes out there that you see that they don't care. They want to land their biggest trick and they go all or nothing like win or not. So there's the people play different games when it comes to, you know, their goals and the specific competition for sure. And in the past, Natalie, what, what, which side of, which kind of camp did you lie in? The ones that are a little bit more conservative or the ones that are, let's throw caution to the wind. Uh, I, so I would play on both sides. Definitely. I know like even, uh, just like the rail jams, uh, and those competitions, my parents would come, like they weren't able to travel to all these competitions around the world, but then the local rail jams that were more for fun, they would come and they would get so annoyed because I would be like wanting to land this trick that's in my head. And if I was falling, I just didn't care. I just wanted to land that. And they're like, why don't you just do these other tricks? You would have won. And I was like, well, cause I wanted to do this. And like, that's what I wanted to show to people. Um, and so I played on both sides, depending on the situation as I definitely was someone who was like, take the risk. If I fall, who cares? Um, like all or nothing. But as I started progressing and all of a sudden you're trying to, you know, make different teams qualify for different levels, there was more of like, okay, you just need a, a top 20. You just need to land this, at least put a run down. So you get some points up on the board. So that transitioned as, you know, as I had better coaching, um, with the national team, there's different points you need to even stay on or qualify for the next year. So, um, it changed as, as it went, but I think my natural tendency tendency was more like, let's go. But my coaches really had to, uh, teach me the other side of things. You have to kind of be help, kind of pull the, pull the reins back. Then it's like, no, not to like a little bit, bit of, a <laughs> bit of calm. Yeah, that well now I compete uh, or I, I competed after st I stepped away from my snowboard career in the sport of CrossFit, and that's one where um, pacing is very important. And I still have not learned that lesson. I'm I'm like, let me go hard, and if I burn out, I burn out. Um, that's definitely something that my coaches in that sport have had to uh, had to work into uh, my mindset. Is that more to do with the the I won't say when that old cost mentality that sport has, but that transition from snowboarding to obviously CrossFit, you know your body better than anybody else. Is it because of the naivety that you have towards the new discipline? It's like, what? I know what I can do, but so, obviously the weight's going to catch up to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, somewhat for sure. I think it's just like, you know, you get all hyped up and you're like, let me just do this. And sometimes it comes down to, right, like you might be paying too much attention to the people beside you and what they're doing and let that affect you. So you go for something that um, you're not <laughs> going to be able to sustain, uh, per se. But um, for me, it I think part of it is definitely like when I stepped into CrossFit, I was very new at it. And so I'm definitely not uh, coming from an endurance background. Like my snowboarding background is it's uh, like a power sport, like your run takes less than two minutes. So there's a ton of lactic acid being built up. You're landing these things, but then you're sitting on the chairlift and going up. So it's like rest, recover or go hard and recover. Um, and I took the same mentality when it came to CrossFit. But if there's like a 10K run and that's not how you should approach it. So yeah, partially was definitely um, just being naive and, and going into it that way. And just realizing that I could actually work on building endurance rather than just being like, okay, how about I just use my sprint and recover and try to always tackle these endurance tasks with that. But what kind of persuaded you to, to, to transition to CrossFit? 
Yeah, I mean, there were so many, uh, like the, the main reasons I stepped away from the sport of CrossFit or the sport of snowboarding had nothing to do with uh, with CrossFit. But for me, I'd started it uh, a year before I had retired from my snowboarding career. I was always into strength and conditioning, obviously, um, being a national athlete, that's a huge part of what you do. And I was convinced to start doing Olympic lifting to work on my explosiveness. And that transitioned into like people telling me, yo, you'd be so good at CrossFit. I was learning Olympic lifting at a CrossFit gym. So uh, I picked that up really quickly and started, uh, I was surrounded by some people who were CrossFit Games athletes and they were like, you can do this. So um, when I was dealing with like the emotional fallout of leaving the sport of snowboarding, I had already started doing CrossFit and I said, might as well just dive into this, right? Like exercise is great for your mental health. I can still feel like a competitive athlete. Um, I was progressing really fast. So I had all these opportunities to compete, um, compete with others, compete with myself. And so I just spent all my time doing that and dove right into that. And now with the pandemic, obviously there's no competitions. Um, had a motorbike accident just before uh, the year before the pandemic started. And so that kind of put me off. So I haven't competed in, it's been almost two years, which is absolutely mental because it's been over a decade since I haven't, you know, been kind of like a full-time athlete and competing in anything from snowboarding to CrossFit. So it's been good to learn about myself outside of uh, just competing all the time. So if we trans transition nicely and move into the into the interview, then what what possessed you to go into branding, marketing, and social media? Then yeah, so part of that it really came from my snowboard career. So as a snowboard athlete, um, and especially competing at these world events, like the top athletes that are basically the X Games world champions, and you're competing against them, and they're getting paid by Red Bull and all these companies. Um, a ton of budget. For example, the best female athlete at the time, uh, she's still like the best snowboarder. She was sponsored by Billabong and so was I, but I'm not going to get any sort of budget as she is from Billabong when I'm competing at the same events as her and she's winning and I'm fighting, you know, to come 15th. So um, when it came to that, I was like, how can I be creative with marketing myself and getting unique sponsors that some of these people aren't tapping into. So I'm not competing in the exact same lane as them, especially I needed, I didn't have all the resources in the world. I didn't have my parents being like, I, we're going to pay for everything. It was completely on me. And so I was like, I need sponsorships to make this happen. And so learning how to market myself, get sponsors, use social media to do so as social media was starting to kind of grow and Instagram started and all those things. Uh, one of my sponsors actually asked me if they could, I could do all their social media. They knew I was in business school and had an entrepreneurship background, wanted to start my own business. So it really kickstarted with that. And then, of course, as I stepped away from the sport, I was like, okay, well, now I'm going to be a full-time entrepreneur and just build up my client list and work on this. So it really comes from what I had to learn myself. And now I've gone full circle and trying to teach athletes how to do the same thing. Because if I didn't learn that, I might have had to step away from the sport earlier if I didn't have the finances to even travel to some of these competitions. And... And historically, Natalie, have the extreme sports and maybe some of the contact sports been more, uh, what's the word I want to use, go very hand in hand with with Instagram or Twitter for their little bit of, you know, it's it's attention grabbing and it's quick. Yeah, I mean, I, there's definitely, like, those sports are so sponsor driven, right? Like, you see a sport, like, say let's say like skeleton um, that's in the Olympics, those sports are, they, they have to fight for sponsorships. And a lot of times they have like corporate sponsors because it looks good to be sponsoring these Olympic athletes and so on. But it's hard for them to get these like new age brands, like these cool brands on board because what they do doesn't lend itself exactly to filming and sharing content. When it comes to like snowboarding, like we're always out there with our video camera, filming each other, posting clips, taking cool photos. It goes to a younger audience. I think snowboarding was one of the most watched, if not the most watched winter sport at the last uh, few Olympics. So um, there's definitely a lot of sponsor attention. Uh, and so for me, I was like, how can I get these brands that haven't capitalized on snowboarding into, into the sport? Um, because uh, like I said, with competing against those snowboard brands, there's obviously like a lot of money there, but at the same time, if there's a bad winter, um, those snowboard brands aren't sell selling that much and all of a sudden their budget is cut and they're dropping athletes from their team. So I didn't want to rely on that. I had to figure out some other alternatives, but yeah, to your question, snowboarding is a, it's a unique sport in that sense. When you consider all like the Olympic sports that they, uh, it's so sponsor driven. And before it was even an Olympic sport, you know, everyone had these big sponsors because of events like X games, because of, um, you know, these clips and videos that you can post and promote.
and 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 as as probably the year has the year has gone on and and ultimately social media has caught on across probably every genre of sport. How inventive have you have to had had to become to to stand out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you can carve your own lane for sure because everyone is so unique. That's one of the benefits is as social media is blown up, a lot of people are saying, well, is there still opportunity for me? Someone else is snowboarding. Someone else is posting fitness. Someone else is doing this. But as more people are posting, there's also more people consuming content. And you're going to find your people if you're sharing your unique story. Someone else, someone might resonate with my story more than they might resonate with, you know, the top snowboarder or whatever, just because of where I'm at in my journey or how I share my story or how different my story is with my background. Um, and so I definitely think there's there's still a ton of opportunities out there for everyone to carve their own lane. And how do you how do you stand out nowadays nowadays? Because ultimately everybody has Instagram, everybody has Facebook, everybody has Twitter. Ultimately YouTube has evolved as well. How how do you in some instances, go against the, the grain and, and and be become or show. I won't say become unique, but showcase your skill sets. Yeah, uh, for me personally, it's just being authentic and showing up, right? And I just share my story, the highs and the lows, the failures. I go back and share some of the things that I went through during my transition from snowboarding. Um, I just give some more depth, right? Like there's some people who they might just post like a hype photo. A lot of athletes, they, they don't tune into social media once a month, they'll post this like hype photo, like I scored a goal or this happened. Um, and people are really resonating with the real content, like wanting to know what really goes on behind the scenes. What are you doing? What's your thought process behind these things? And so I just try to document the journey and share it authentically. And I think everyone can, can do that. And it will never really be truly saturated because everyone, the more people that come on, the more people there are that might resonate with your story uh, uniquely. And so if everyone's being authentic, not trying to be someone else, you're going to attract the people who, who are going to follow with that. Obviously, would you be in a, you putting your marketing hat on now, Natalie? What's this fascination with the behind the scenes for the, the ordinary person in the street wanting to see every aspect of a, a sportsman's life? Yeah, so I think what's the coolest part about athletes and sharing their story and why athletes can really build this audience and be kind of unique, build a unique influence in this space is because they example, uh, example these traits that people want to, to build, whether it's motivation or inspiration, but they can really display it physically. It's so much easier than someone just filming their philosophy or trying to document them working on a computer or whatever. Athletes have a, a, they can post this video that just kind of motivates someone all of a sudden or educate someone on the work it goes into to be a high performer on any facet of life. Like as a, as a mom, they could look into an athlete story and be like, okay, I want to be the best mom I can be. And they can learn something from that athlete's story. Um, and so it's just so easily relatable because you can physically see these things documented in these character traits where it might not be as easy to do that in different aspects um, and in different careers. So let me ask you this then, Natalie. What motivated you as an athlete? So just to be the best that I could be. Like I knew as a, as a kid, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to just have fun and live life the, the way I wanted. And that involves sport. I love competing. I love what I learned about myself through competing. Like at the end of a competition, win or lose, there's so many lessons that you learn and that you can reflect on. Um, and it's hard to get that same atmosphere in other aspects. Um, definitely you can kind of do it in business and other, other ways, but just that, that feeling of, and that adrenaline, that's just something I was always chasing and just pushing myself to be my best and keep reaching my potential and just be happy. And I sports made me happy. And so that's what I did. And were there ever times throughout your career that, you know, people came in and said, kind of said, well, you're not doing particularly well, bring up ultimately, you know, you, you're trying to compete with, the number one snowboarder for the same sorts of contract. Had there been times that people said, well, why don't you get a nine to five job and have a little bit of security? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there were, there were times I think it was almost the opposite. Like when I stepped away, people were wondering, Hey, you're on track for the 2018 Olympics. Why are you stepping away so soon? Um, like, why are you doing this? So um, I, I definitely got asked because I was doing university at the same time of competing with the national team. People would say, well, what are you going to do when you uh, finish school? I was like, well, the same thing I'm going to do now. So I wouldn't say anyone said like, hey, are you going to get a nine to five? You know, like 
my parents believed in me. They just wanted to see me happy, whatever made me happy. Most people around me the same. And I was surrounded by all these other people who were pursuing their best. And so um, I would say, I don't think I got asked that at all. Um, but I, I definitely, you know, you got the, the questions and especially as an entrepreneur, I got those questions like when, what are you going to do when you finish your, your business school? I'm like the same thing. I already have my business started and I'm snowboarding and being an athlete. I'm just going to continue building off that. Is, is, did, did, I'm asking a two part question. Was there any ever apprehension of going away from sport and, and, and going all in on entrepreneurship? And then to follow on from your answer where people will say, well, what were you going to do after business school? Did you, did you ever think to second guess, have I got this right? I mean, I think it's part of life to always be second guessing how I got this right. I just knew since I was a kid, like me working for someone else in an office is just not going to go, uh, not going to be uh, suited to my personality. And so I just always knew I was like, I want to be an athlete and I want to be an entrepreneur. And I, I knew even if I did like, you know, become the world champion or whatever it was, I still wanted to pursue those business passions because those passions were there. So it wasn't even like a fallback. It was like, I was still passionate about this. Um, I think there was, there was definitely apprehension of people wondering why I stepped away from the sport when it's like, I was still on the, the trajectory up. It wasn't like I had been, you know, I was 30 and kind of going, falling off or anything. Um, and, and yeah, so I think there's definitely, you know, those second guessings of should I have stuck with the sport longer? Should I have done this? But um, all in all, it was it was best for my mental health to, to step away. And I'm happy with what I'm doing now. And even just looking back at the sport now and watching it, I'm like, you know what? Uh, I miss it. I miss all those experiences, but I, I don't want to be uh, doing all those triple flips and all the all the crazy things that you see now uh, on X Games. I'm like, for me, it wasn't worth it to risk, you know, my my body and my mental health uh, anymore. And you mentioned mental health, and obviously we're just living in in obviously the, these tough times for everybody, and ultimately everybody kind of going being on a on a spectrum of how they're dealing with in terms of their mental health. How you mentioned mental health in terms of sport playing a, a massive factor to, towards it. Are, are, are you all right with going into delving into that in terms of explaining yeah. what you mean? Yeah, 100%. Uh, mental health and like just being an advocate for it is a huge part of who I am now, especially from what I had to deal with. For me, like during my snowboard career, there was times that I dealt with a lot of anxiety attacks and I didn't know what they were or what they were coming from. So I kind of just ignored it um, and put it to the wayside and um, eventually when it came to my final season in snowboarding, I just reached this point where every single day I was living the life that I had dreamed of as a kid and I just wasn't happy and I just couldn't figure out what it was. I'm like, every day I'm waking up, I'm in this place that's so beautiful. I always wanted to be here and do this. I'm a full-time athlete. Like, why am I just not, not happy? And, um, and then I felt guilty, which sends you into a whole lower spiral because I was saying, you know, everyone at home keeps messaging me how lucky I am to be here. Um, people don't understand that you're not immune from mental health. If you're, if you're successful or living up these things that, you know, project external success, you can still deal with internal struggle. And so when I did step away from the sport, uh, I dealt with a lot of uh, a period of depression, uh, anxiety, especially a loss of identity of who I was without this being the title of national team athlete. Um, would people even want to hang out with me? If I got introduced at parties, what's interesting about me now? Um, I dealt with all, all those things. And um, it's definitely really hard. And I think anyone who's going through any transition, like if they dedicated two decades or a decade of their life to something and all of a sudden have to step away from it or just make the choice to step away from it, even if it's within their control, just dealing with that and that identity loss is is really difficult. And did you ever find what the trigger was for your panic attacks? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was just I was so focused on achievement, like that my whole life was like, I want to prove this to people who doubted me, I want to achieve this, and I'll be happy when I achieve this rather than like really just being happy in the moment. And some of that came with maturity and time, because I did have some people around me, family members who recognized that early on. And I was just so driven that I was like, you know, ignore everyone, I'm just going to focus on on doing what I want to do. And and the highs and lows of sport are just that you go so high and you go so low. 
Um, you know, every day I was just so focused, like I need to land these tricks so that at the end of the season, I'll be able to work on these next level tricks. And if I didn't land it, it was like, that was a failure of a day when it was like, how I can't control that. All I can control is that I'm trying and I'm showing up and doing my best. So tricks will happen. People will progress at their own rate. And, um, I'm happy to be in a place where I've learned that now I've matured so much since I stepped away from the sport. And I think that was what I was realizing in my last season was that, staying in the sport um, with that mindset was holding me back from learning all these things. So going through that low once I stepped away has just kind of rocketed my mindset into having to learn all these things that I think if I stayed with it, I wouldn't have learned. Do you think obviously the the evolution of social media has given rightly or wrongly the younger generation an advantage of say, say, say someone like yourself or myself who had to, to some extent, find our way by making mistakes? Do you think if they were to really intricately look at social media and look at both the successes of an athlete, but also the the uh, uh, moments of adversity or, you know, failure, and look, well, okay, this is what they did particularly wrong, let me put that under a fine microscope, as human beings will do, but pull out the gems, the, the pretty much the diamond in the rough as well. Okay, this is the the lesson to be learned from it, and we'll put the the other things aside. Do you think if they were to do that, ultimately they need to make them they need to make, make their own mistakes as well? But do you think that's going to enable them to be more conscious of? mental health and being able to not self-diagnose but being able to be more aware of panic attacks what it looks like what does it feel like and then ultimately be able to seek out the right support yeah I mean I, I think so I think it's I mean as much as I did have you know family who were saying you know get some balance in your life do some of these things and I was blocking it out um, I definitely think so. For example, uh, that's one of the reasons why I do share my story and try to be open about the things that I go through uh, on my social media is because I know the next generation is watching. And if they can learn uh, everything that really goes into it, instead of just like, hey, every day is great. I'm living my best life. I'm out here just, you know, traveling and doing these things that 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 doesn't, you know, all of a sudden they get attached to just that result and they'll sacrifice anything to make that happen, including their mental health, rather than realizing that, you know, that cost a lot for me. And if they can learn that lesson, it's like, you know what, let's prioritize my mental health while I'm in this journey. Let's realize that the process is everything. Let's focus on these things. And so for sure, they can learn so much faster. You know, they don't, they can, they can see the, learn from the failures of other people. I think we learn more from failures than we do from success. Um, and they can see what really goes into it. For example, just the awareness and the the benefit of the awareness of these top pro athletes in the, in the NFL and MLB and NHL and all these things that are now coming out and sharing their mental health struggles and their stories. That has such a huge ripple effect for the next generation in sport. I think it's just so important that people see this and realize that, uh, that you're not immune. It's okay to seek help. It's okay to talk about it. And that that can only make you a better athlete in the long run. Do you think it's because we've lived in for so many decades worth of, uh, you know, this kind of idea of gladiator, I don't think it's a word, but gladiatorism and ultimately athletes going out and trying to wear a suit of armor because we we know in us, deep down in ourselves, any in, 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 sniff any little bit of weakness in somebody, you're going to ultimately... Uh, you you're gonna be that 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 dog, and you're gonna sniff out and ultimately try and pretty much stomp them out. But do you think because of that machismo or very masculine way of approaching something, it's gonna take a while to ultimately? I think obviously the 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 generation. I think Z, as they like to be called, have pretty much nipped that in the bud a little bit because there's like, well, I will work this amount of hours, but I want to be recompensed for that. But obviously, generations before that, well, I have to do it because of 
end result of what you were talking about. Do you do you think obviously as we transition away from it's going to take a while. I think it's sport because sport is it, it, it's obviously doesn't like to relate to life. Uh, ultimately, obviously, you're going to learn a lot, like you said, from from sport into life. But do you think it's going to take uh, maybe a couple of decades to kind of say, well, this way of thinking is prehistoric, prehistoric, and we need to little be a little bit more empathetic towards oneself and look after ultimately number one which we know how to do as athletes it's but look at ultimately what is in between the ears more so than the the nutritional the physique the physical and, and ultimately the, the the being the best athlete you can yeah I, th- I think things are progressing that way for sure especially with the rise of these top athletes saying like mindset and your mental health both two different things like uh, they're the same thing but different things I look at them like mental health like you can have a top mindset like I would say I was so driven so competitive like I showed up every day I was disciplined like those are some of the mindset skills but at the same time I didn't have some conversely some some skills that balance that off to learn that it's okay to rest it's okay to take care of my mental health it's okay to be dealing with some of these things or seek help Um, And I think we're really starting to realize that now. I think even the pandemic has shifted that because now everyone's talking about mental health. Um, And so I think that's really important. I, I definitely see that only being helpful, right? Because we have for sure, like you said, this masculine view of, you know, go, 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 be, be tough. Don't show any weakness. And that's how you achieve success. But now we're having the top athletes in the world say, no, that's not how you achieve success. Actually, you can do it this way and in a more holistic and sustainable manner manner where people are staying in sport for longer. They're having happier careers, happier lives by focusing on that. And so I think that's going to change. And the next generations coming up will realize that they can still pursue high performance and whatever they want to do, sport, business, life with a balanced approach and with taking care of their mental health on the journey. Do you think that's a difficult one? Because obviously social media portrays, as you'll know, in in, in your day-to-day life, mostly a, I'll say fictitious lifestyle because for they, they, they have obviously uh, a little bit died, uh, it's died down a little bit because it's, it's ultimately, it's not, it's not achievable because of mass travel is not, be, not being allowed. But do you think, social media themselves and i'm talking the platforms now have to to bear some of the brunt of that responsibility i I know twitter clamped down on trump eventually but do you think some of that responsibility needs to be at the top as well to kind of say you give too much you give somebody too much power which in a sense is influence and if somebody is not to be able to say you know, if I was to just to turn black and white, what is right and was wrong for themselves because of being on social media too much, how is that young individual supposed to ultimately see right from wrong? Because if, if, if they're deeming getting up, this is probably what's wrong, but, and this is my opinion, if they're getting all their information from somebody they deem influential in their lives, an athlete, a musician, a celebrity, whatever you want to call it, do you think this is where social media needs to grow a conscience or that individual needs to grow a conscience as, well, what you're telling a a preteen or somebody 13, 13, 14, 15 years old, and if it's a male, it's probably even worse, but they can't be able to see through that uh i was about to say red mist but be able to see through that euphoric sense of well i want to be just like that individual and whatever they say is gospel yeah great question because i was i was literally in a in a clubhouse room this morning with a bunch of like health and fitness professionals who were and i chimed in on this exact same topic and they were saying like whose responsibility is this you know people look up to these influencers and they're, you know, saying 
to do this when that's not what they did, you know, to say to get their body or whatever. And so my, my story was last year, I started posting a lot on TikTok and um, I grew a large audience there. And uh, some of my workout videos kind of took off and people, there's a lot of young girls saying, I want your body. I'm going to have your body in one year. I put it as the background of my phone. And I was like, what? this is so crazy. So I was making sure that I responded to those people and said, Hey, like I, I believe in you, whatever you want to achieve, you can do in sport. But like I train for one for, for performance specifically in sport. And two, I've been training. Like if you ask me when I started training, I'm not going to say, yeah, I achieved this in three years. It was like, I started since birth. Like I played all these different sports. Then I was a national athlete. Then I did CrossFit. So uh, you, you want to, you know, give people the real stuff because otherwise they say, oh, I, this person's doing this. I want to achieve this in one year. And it's like, hey, no. You know, I'm not an expert on this. I just, I'm just sharing like this workout that I did today, my own thing. And I want you to know that like, this is how long it took me to achieve this. And um, if you want to achieve this, seek, you know, a professional or whatever, but just know that it's not this, you know, it's beyond what you just see. Um, for me, I think it's, it's a really hard question. It's, there's no simple answer to say, is it the social media company's responsibility? Because I think there's just no way to do that in like a really fair manner. They just provide an open platform. But I do think there should be some training for kids. Like in school, we learn so many, like we learn math that we might not ever use. We we learn science that we might not ever use. Social media is part of everyone, including these kids' everyday lives, and it's not going anywhere. It's only going to progress. There's going to become virtual reality. There's like all these things. I think that they should have some training in critical thinking, in media, in um just learning to mindfully use these platforms and make good decisions. I think, you know, at some point it is the ethics of the people who are posting and have this influence to understand the responsibility that they have, right? Like as any leader in the world, um, apart from maybe Trump, hopefully <laughs> under, hopefully understood is like, you know, what they say has power and influence and you got to be really careful how you use that. And so, um, you know, whenever I go to post something, I understand that, especially if it's on my platforms that I have a larger audience, it's okay, like, how do I use this for good and also show the different sides? Like, even if I post something super motive, maybe motivational, I want to show the sides of like, hey, if you take motivation from this, just also remember, it involves balance in your life and caring about this. Don't, you know, take it. It's like seeing things from different sides. Part of that, it comes with maturity, right? Now we're giving platforms to these young people um, who don't have the maturity yet to see things from different sides. And they're still figuring things out in the moment and posting it in the moment. And that's where I see a, a training should be in sense, like it should be a course in school of how to just make think about things a little differently, like what you see might not be true. Um, how do you critically think through these things? How do you research someone and figure out if what they're saying is real? How like what, where to take your influence? P like kids should definitely learn that. Um, so I, I guess I wouldn't say that it's the onus of the platforms themselves, but there should be some sort of training. Maybe that could be from the platforms. When you sign up, you have to go through some training of how to like consume your content more mindfully. But I, I can't believe that it's not in school. Like our school systems are so backdated. We're learning things that we never use. And then, then things we're all getting affected with mental health through social media and all these things. And we have no training on it at all. Well, obviously, I'm I'm in the area, of, uh, and this is going to show my age a little bit of you know MySpace. You you, you open it, you put I remember it down, MySpace, and then, you, and then you leave it alone for I don't know weeks, months, and obviously the the big bad beast that it was nearly well, it's over fifteen years ago in this country. But Facebook comes along, boom, and I'm at university, and what I was doing before that came along. Or what I did to to actually make do of my time, I've got no idea because now <laughs> it's pretty much, I don't know, I don't know. On average, I, I wouldn't want to guess how many times somebody looks, opens their phone and looks at Facebook or one of the other social media platforms, just on, just because it's gives me something to do. Instagram, I'm I'm very much like you. I will, I probably I was probably had a lot older than my years 20 years ago of you know you need to remember that you whatever you put out there is not going away um and ultimately i've always thought well 
can't put it. I can't can't say this. I can't say that. I can't say. Obviously, some people would like to to know your opinion. So it's it, 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 you saying about education, people in their thirties and beyond, probably could use with the education because we've not we're not accustomed to airing out. And I'll loosely put this to term out. You know, our dirty laundry. It's not normal to showcase what happens behind the scenes uh, when you shut your door because it's not. It's not conventional. It, it wasn't. It wasn't the norm for for so long. That's where for me. It's a. It's a. It's kind of a hard balance between, you know, James as the individual, and James as anybody listening to this, and, and want to go into entrepreneurship, want to uh, gain a bigger audience or influence. You are a brand, and ultimately. People want to see that as one continuum. So for me, almost a thirty-five-year-old is very difficult because it's like, as you probably can attest to, as going through sport, two different people: one person in sport, one person that family and friend, like close family and friends, will see. And now, because of social media, now nah, we don't want that. We don't want two versions of you. We want one. Or yeah. if you were talking about. Uh, losing your identity, possibly multiple identities. Nope, they need to be one continual uh, being, and we want no di- wavering differences. So that's as an for an individual is very difficult because uh, until you come to probably congruence with that, it's very difficult because you'll be butting heads with yourself. Like, well, I don't want to showcase that because of. Most of the time, for me, and I'll and i open up about this, is because I deem it as that's not entertaining. It's, to me, that's <laughs> that would be if I was to consume that, that's boring. So why would anybody else want to to watch that? But this is where, obviously, you will say to individuals, you don't know until you test it. So I'm still at that sticking point. It's like, well, that's boring to me. Obviously, Instagram went through a phase of people sharing their meals and then people went off that to pretty much now it's like, well, we want to see that, but we don't want to see it in pictures. We want to see it in video of you actually making the thing from start to finish. So I think it goes in cycles and very cyclical of it's probably very difficult for you to say to somebody exactly as, well, you need to do this on point because they evolve every pretty much on a daily basis as, well, what worked last week probably won't work this week and then so on yeah yeah good points like it it definitely changes all the time and i think definitely different generations have their different views like at first i was similar like when it started i was like okay like you know i'll show just my snowboarding and not this other stuff but now i've come full circle where it's like no i'm gonna be vulnerable and open up about more of my story and the things i go through if i post like a workout i might go through like i might talk about how Um, The pandemic has been hard for my motivation to continue the training and, you know, kind of just relate it back to what I'm going through because I know a lot of people could be going through the same thing rather than they might see it. See, I just posted workout and I'd be like, every day I work out and, you know, they'll be like, oh, okay. Like she's, you know, shaming us. We feel bad that, you know, we're not feeling this. And so just showing people know, like I went through this too and I am trying to overcome it. Like I'm dealing with, okay, maybe less motivation to do this. And showing people that makes them be like, okay, I could do this too. So it's more empowering them rather than making them feel bad or comparing them themselves against you. And that's where I see a big shift happening in social media where before, uh, like you said much earlier in this conversation, there was maybe like those people who are just putting out a fake life. And it was all about making people kind of feel like they wish they were them. Versus now it's like, how about we empower people to make them feel like as influencers, make other people feel like they can empower themselves and they want to be the best version of themselves, not be like us. Um, and so that's where I see things shifting. Obviously there's, there's people still doing the other things and there's people who aren't sharing and whatever. And I think it's just finding what's right for you and where you want to fit in and depending on your goals or what you want to do, uh, sharing that in that aligns with, with that goal that you have. Well, I think it always comes back to, you know, the morals and ethics of an individual. It's what 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 is your intent out of things? Because if I was to say, in all honesty, and I've never said this openly to anybody, uh, even you know, while well, you are a fellow podcaster, but be it in the confines of behind the camera, 
mine was a monetary my my end game with the podcast four or five years ago was monetary is well how am i going to create more revenue for the business and i think as it evolved over the years yes there were times it was a slog it's like oh i gotta put this content out uh, twice a week as it was then uh, and then obviously it went down to one uh, and then i th- thought well you, you're not one of the big boys you're not going to get one of these contracts from one of the companies don't try to be and just enjoy the the, the conversations that you're going to have over the over the course of what are we now 200 and they almost 250 episodes so it's, it's it's been it's it's not been a long slog it's be, when be, people hear some of these numbers like wow but some of those people are just starting out it's like just just if you can get past i can't remember the the the, uh, the average is i think it's about five to ten episodes you're fine you, you're in it for the long haul and pretty much there's no monetary uh, gain to be had i pretty much i think i tried to work it out uh, a couple of months ago as how much i actually spent on the on just <laughs> hosting it and putting it out so like well okay and i'm and it's probably in the thousand it's probably in the thousands but i'm okay with that because if it helps one individual spark that motivation that they might be they deem that they lacking um i would say they might be just it's it, they've probably just lost their way and i use anal- analogy sometimes with my clients if you don't lack your keys, you lose your keys. Obviously, you're going to find them eventually. Or, or you're saying with your phone, you put it down somewhere. Uh, I've mislaid it. You have a lot. You don't. You don't lack it. Probably do you some good for your mental health for the time you haven't got it. But obviously, you're going to find it, and then obviously we, we go from there. And as motivation is the same thing. It's it's pretty much ebbs and flows. I probably could, without asking you the question of, did you ever have times throughout your career that it was up and down the answer probably yes and it's the same with me um people probably i won't say surprised but i did have teammates who would be banging on my door come on james let's go today and then i'd reciprocate on a day that they're not feeling it so i wasn't on it 100 percent of the time i don't think you could be as a human being because uh especially this time of the year it's we don't have as bad of weather as you would do in Canada, but be it, it's not the most enjoyable part of the year to be training, but it's got to be done because ultimately, if you want the the prize at the end of the rainbow, and 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 I allude to to your point that you 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 mentioned before of solely focusing on that pot of gold. You do miss that, that 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 enjoyment factor in between, which I did for a long, long time in my career. And ultimately, looking back, yes, I have the pictures, yes, I have the memories, but did I truly soak it up and actually enjoy it? Not completely, and that yeah. would be me being honest. It's it's, I got too fixated on pretty much, you know, the win at all cost. The get of of a coin a different way from an entrepreneurial standpoint, the get rich quick scheme, and it what it what the the process was I have to do it if I like it I don't or or indifferent you have to do it and pretty much towards the end I hated it and yeah. I, I, prob- I probably didn't get out soon I I I either didn't reevaluate things correctly which hindsight is 2020 or I didn't I didn't leave soon enough and then people do ask well and I was asked this afternoon on another podcast were there times where you could have done another game another game like yes but obviously circumstances I I blamed injury and other things it wasn't it was that it was the it was the the mindset to get off the canvas just wasn't there it's like i'll give up it's easy it's easy to do that and walk away and then obviously you finger point to other things and say well those are the reasons why and ultimately it's soul searching at the end and finding your true your true identity was all i know me now probably wouldn't be very happy looking that person in the eye and then the younger self 
would kind of be, well, why did you give up so easily? It's I, I didn't do it multiple times. Obviously, your, your sport, you've got to come back pretty like that in an instant, the next run. Whereas I have years and years, and it's taken probably a, people of higher up in sport to kind of say, forget about it, James. You didn't go to Rio and you didn't go to Tokyo. Let it rest. It's it's all it's all right that you 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 could have could have should have would have could have that people will say. It's all right that you, that didn't happen. You can let it you can let it rest. And I think hearing it from somebody else, it's all right. Okay, I can I can let it rest, and it doesn't need to weigh at you. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Thank you for sharing that, and I really relate to that deeply. Um, I think that's important um, and a great way of explaining it. Well, I think people forget that the other day, because you were talking about you know the athletes are becoming relate more relatable and more. I won't, I won't use the term more human, but be it they're not these showing their human side. I think. Well, I think we are. I think we. I think. I think we do, but we did it in private. Which yeah. I think, I think right. Ob- right. Ob- obviously. Social media is like, well, we want to see some of that now. And I think the ones that have probably prospered from that, it showed all, I won't say all size, but be every ounce of recovery phase, you you name it. It's like, oh, that's quite different. But then you say, don't replicate it. It's doing it, doing it your way, but it's trying to find those tangibles when the margin they get smaller and smaller, it becomes, I won't say difficult, but that's maybe where you've got to be inventive. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we're, we're all human beings, not, not robots and uh, treating ourselves as such is beneficial. If you want to show that on social media too, that can be beneficial to relating more, relating to more people. But um, yeah, I, I think we're all just unique and individual and, we're all healing from from different things for sure. And that moves me nicely, Natalie, to my penultimate question to you. If you had to sit down with any athlete, dead or alive, for that matter, who would that be and why? Oof. I think Muhammad Ali. Just to to learn about like all the things that he dealt with, um, how he made it, like he developed himself as an activist and more than an athlete. I would just love to learn about just the things that he's gone through uh, off the off the uh, boxing ring. <laughs> and my final question before we wrap up the episode: If you have to summarize what we've been speaking about into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Ooh, um. I would say just continue failing forward, learning, forgiving yourself and figuring out a, a better way and sharing that with others once you learn that better way. So once again, Natalie, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. Thanks again for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed this episode and got loads from it. Anything that was included and discussed will be available in the show notes below. And I would love to hear from you. Come and connect and ask your questions. I've been James Roberts from jamesowenroberts.com. Remember this quote by Chris Hoth. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute, not by some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete.